This is a special edition of the RTI Press Pass, powered by Rocky Top Insider. Here are your hosts, Rick Butler and Ryan Shumpert. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the RTI Press Pass podcast. My name is Rick Butler. Sitting to my right, that's Ryan Shumpert. Today is November 1st. And it's right. a cold November 1st as well. Yeah, it is. First of November brought, feels like I brought winter uh, in Knoxville. Hopefully hopefully it's just a, a day or two and yeah. we get back to the, the waning days of fall. I think I left my house for the first time at 10 a.m. today and it was still 36 degrees outside and I, I just, I didn't know what to do with mm-hmm. myself. Being a Texas guy, like I, I still have not fully gotten used to the cold and I don't think I ever will. It's just not, it's just not me. Yeah, I mean it's not that cold. That's not that cold here either. So, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not used to the cold. I've lived in, in Tennessee my whole life. So uh, no, it's awful, and the wind especially today. Well, Ooh. yes, yes, I agree. Well, okay. So what's on the docket for today? I know we're right in the middle of football season, but hey, basketball is right around the corner. I mean, they get started on the sixth of November. That's going to be coming up what next Monday? Yep. That's against Tennessee Tech right here in Knoxville. Ryan, today's going to be our Tennessee basketball preview. We're just going to talk about some questions maybe about this team, talk about some of the players, talk about some of the exhibition games from the last week, uh, and just kind of see what we get into with, the t- with this Tennessee basketball team. Certainly, and we, uh, we really I did, I think, more than you. You had the good idea of doing this kind of a mailbag style. I put out the, the bat signal to some of the more intelligent Tennessee basketball fans uh, that I'm friends with, in my opinion. and they uh, So shout out to them. Uh, you know it if you're listening. They provided some kind of good macro and a couple micro questions with this team, too. We've had uh, two early looks at them, and, and exhibition wins uh, at Michigan State on Sunday, and then they came back here to Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center on Tuesday where they beat Lenore Ryan. So a quick look at these guys in the preseason, um, but still obviously a lot of questions as we work into what – the start of what should be a really exciting season. Yeah, and you talk about both the macro and the micro levels. Just There's a ton of newcomers to this team. There are newcomers. There are returning veterans. Tennessee has a really balanced roster, in my opinion, of, again, kind of those those newcomers, whether it be through the just the freshman class, the transfer portal, but then also combining that with the returners that Tennessee fans know and are used to, whether that be a Santiago Vescovio, Josiah Jordan-James, Tobey Awaka, uh, Jemai Meshag, Zakai Ziegler, whoever it may be, to me a pretty good balance of both newcomers and fresh faces with the returners. Certainly, and I think just in the modern college basketball, there's going to be a lot of newcomers every year. And I think that's just the nature of the sport with the transfer portal, which obviously goes both ways. You're going to have more scholarship spots open because guys who aren't playing are going to transfer just about every year. And sometimes you might lose a guy that does play a lot, and then obviously you can turn around and replace them. So I think that's just going to be a staple, but being able to return some key guys, uh, obviously – the two super seniors that came back, Josiah Jordan James and Santiago Vescovi, were big for this team. A uh, number of other guys that were underclassmen last year, whether that be sophomores or freshmen, uh, that will continue to step into bigger roles this season. And like you said, a handful of new guys too, and especially some older new guys that Tennessee got in the transfer portal that, that should play big roles on this team. Let's go to the two exhibition games real quick before we start talking about some of those questions about the team that we mentioned a second earlier. Man, that Michigan State game was fantastic, a fantastic treat for just college basketball fans in October. It felt like a February or a March type game. Tennessee comes away with a great 89-88 to win over preseason number four Michigan State. What would you kind of think about that game? Yeah, it was a, a, a super exciting one. You know, it didn't feel like an exhibition game. No. For most of it, uh, it was a sold-out crowd at the Breslin Center in, in East Lansing. And it felt that way. And I think when you – 
One, you got to start with the fact that he wasn't out there for Tennessee, which is their preseason All-SEC backcourt duo. Zakai Ziegler was there but didn't play, still working back from a torn ACL injury as he gets closer and closer to playing. And then Santiago Vescovi was back home in Uruguay spending some time with his family due to some uh, health matters with his grandmother. So Tennessee's down, uh, you know, arguably – not even really arguably, they're down their two best returning players from last season, and they go and they jump up out to a 17-1 lead. And it was no surprise that Michigan State made a bunch of runs in that game, um, but for Tennessee without those two guys on the road, again, I'm sure it would have been a better environment uh, if it was a regular season game, but it was loud. It was a good environment, and Tennessee kind of took punch after punch from Michigan State, it felt like. Uh, right at them and they had a response every time uh, even right at the end when the game got tied they <laughs> yeah. kind of uh, you saw some late game miscues against the press defense which you know some of that's to be expected without uh, your starting backcourt and Michigan State ties the game Tennessee does a good job of you know not only not panicking and I don't know if Michigan State would be I would say they panicked either but Tennessee kind of caught Michigan State off guard by getting the ball in real quick, pushing the ball, uh, and probably would have gotten a pretty good shot, but Justin Ganey got fouled beforehand. He hits one or two free throws, uh, and then Tennessee gets a turnover to win. So uh, a really exciting game, and yeah. I wrote about it after, but the way Tennessee you know, kind of responded to run after run for Michigan State impressed me the, this early in the season. You know, I think one of the big takeaways from certainly myself, but from the fan base as well, was just getting that first look at, at Tennessee's two guys from the transfer portal uh, with Jordan Ganey and, and Dalton Connect. Those two guys combined for 48 points, 28 from from Dalton and 20 from Jordan Ganey. But maybe what stood out to me more was that they each had 34 minutes, which led the team in minutes. It seemed to me like Rick Barnes was certainly trying to get them out on the court, trying to get them acclimated right away, see what these guys could bring to the table. Certainly, and Ganey definitely had you know a bigger role with those two guards out, and he got started really hot. I mean, he was a big, big part of that 17 to one start. He made his first four threes. Um, and like you said, ended up with 20 points, hit the, the big free throw late to, to seal the win. So he did a, a lot of really good things. He shot the ball well, as you would expect. I'd say maybe the thing that – probably just the athleticism as a whole is what surprised, has surprised me the most since seeing him get to campus. And that's not just in the two exhibition games, but in us getting to watch him practice and, and uh, the games they went over and played in Italy too. He's yeah. better on the defensive end than I expected, and he's not great at creating his own shot. He's not just fantastic there, um, but that was an area I thought he'd probably be pretty limited. And he does have he does have a game there to be able to create his own shot. So I'm sure it'll continue to be an adjustment for him playing at this level, especially early in the season. In that Michigan State game, you saw him do a good bit of ball handling, six assists, but also six turnovers yeah. uh, to go along with that. And turnovers really for both sides, both Tennessee and Michigan State, was a, a big story of that exhibition. Yeah, no doubt about it. It was just a, a great one for Tennessee to hold, to start this whole road with. And obviously that's not one that will count on the – on the final record of the season, but one that gives you a lot of momentum and confidence, I would imagine, for this team going forward. Tennessee came back to Knoxville last night, which was, what, Tuesday night? Had a game against uh, Lenore Ryan, another exhibition game. Won that contest by a score of 90-48. to 48. Four players getting double digits. A lot of players played in this game, obviously, with a 52, excuse me, a 42-point win right there. But four players end up in double figures. A handful end up with nine or eight points right there. Uh, what did you think about last night's game? I know there's not a ton to take away from it, but Tennessee gets the win at home. Yeah, not not a ton is kind of what I thought about it. I mean, Lenore Ryan was really bad. Similar situation. I think Tennessee gets out to a 15-0 lead uh, and, and kind of coasts from there. Probably didn't play as well as Rick Barnes would have liked in a lot of ways, but, you know, that's exhibition basketball. You win a 42-point game, and you feel like Tennessee could have played a lot better. So 
the more extended look at a lot of those young guys. Cam Carr, who played, I think, just a minute in the Michigan State game, got quite a bit of run, 19 minutes. Uh, both J.P. Estrella and Cade Phillips both played double-digit minutes. Those are kind of fringe rotation guys. D.J. Jefferson, who didn't play uh, in the Michigan State exhibition, played. So kind of a, a better look at either what you'd call the fringe of the rotation or the scholarship guys that are younger and probably will not have a role on this team. So uh, a little bit better look at them. And then obviously when it is the fr- when those guys were freshmen, it was kind of our, our first real look at them. Yeah, and we'll talk about some of those some of those names more a little bit later on as we get to some of the questions. But a guy like Cameron Carr impressed me last night in this exhibition, and a couple other others as well. But I want to go back first to something we talked about a second ago, and I know we're talking about the ex, uh, exhibition games, but just kind of moving forward into a broad look, Jordan Ganey. That, that's kind of the guy that I want to start with because we talk about how impressive he was in that Michigan State game. We talked about his his shooting ability, his ball handling ability. My initial question, I think what a lot of people's are as well, is what is this guard rotation going to look like? You mentioned it off the top. Tennessee's going to, at some point soon, have both Zakai Ziegler and Santiago Vescovi back. But Jordan Ganey, Jordan Ganey certainly proved that, that he, he's a force on the court as well. How do you think they go about just kind of handling that rotation of guards that they have, which is pretty deep? Certainly. It's going to be really interesting. And, you know, I imagine Ganey will go to the bench and be playing off the bench once both Ziegler and Vescovy get back, but, you know, maybe not. Maybe they, they'll mix it up some. And obviously Ziegler's played off the bench, you know, a pretty good bit in his first two years at Tennessee, even though he's played starter minutes. It doesn't always mean he's been starting games. So that'll be interesting to see. I, I think when you look at Ganey's totals from the Michigan State game, 20 points, 6 of 10 shooting, 4 of 7 from 3, you know, I don't think that's going to be – not that he can't do it, go out there and do it on any given night. But I don't think – I'm not expecting that with any sort of consistency. And that's not to say that Jordan Ganey is incapable of doing that with some sort of consistency. Uh, but he's just not going to have the ball in his hands enough. He's not going to have uh, enough minutes. And he's certainly not going to shoot 4-7 from 3 every night. I mean, he's, yeah. a, he's a good three-point shooter. But you shoot 4-7 from 3 uh, every game, you'll be the, the best shooter in the last 15 years of college basketball. <laughs> so yeah. something that's going to be hard uh, to recreate. But – you know, he's going to be in that rotation, I think, right now. You look at, at those behind Ziegler and Vescovy, I think he's probably the next guy up, uh, along with Jemai Meshack. They kind of give two yeah. different looks. Uh, both can handle the ball some. Ganey's going to be more offensively aggressive, trying to create his own shot, can space the floor with his ability to hit it and hit shots. And then Jemai Meshack's a guy that's, you know, we're going to talk about, I just mentioned him right now, he's going to play the one. He's probably going to play the four some from Tennessee this year. He's going to be a little bit of a do-it-all guy. He changes the game with his defense. Offense is still kind of a work in progress. So uh, he has, I believe he's two, two for two in the season, or the preseason, I should say, in three-pointers. Yeah, he made a uh, corner three both against Michigan State and Lenore Ryan. So uh, he's continuing to progress. And then yeah. the guy I haven't even mentioned, the guy who's projected to be uh, a first-round pick in some M- NBA mock drafts is, is Freddie DeLeon, who obviously – Early enrolled last year for Tennessee is now a redshirt freshman, incredibly talented offensive player, and you know certainly can see a, a world where he progresses and is a, one of the best scorers on this team. Um, but when you just talk about where he is right now, feels like he maybe is a little bit further behind. And certainly the depth Tennessee has in the backcourt, uh, you're not just going to get minutes because you're talented. Uh, yeah. So he'll be a fascinating one to watch because I don't necessarily expect him to hit the ground running this season. But he's a guy that's talented enough that I think can kind of give Tennessee uh, a second wind uh, and certainly help this team a, a ton. Uh, I mean, he can be one of the main players on this team if he can reach his yeah. potential by the end of the year. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you there. And so 
So kind of what I'm taking from that and combining that with my own takeaways to what I've seen, we know that Sakai Ziegler and Santiago Vescovi, neither one of them are slouches shooting the ball, right? And that's obviously what Jordan Ganey did well. So while he might not project into a superstar position for this team, I feel like this sort of coming out party in these first two exhibition games are, are just a great piece to have moving forward. Maybe gives you a little bit of confidence right there, but obviously just gives you more to work with as you kind of go down your bench in the middle of the game. Certainly, it gives you more depth and... You know, he's, he proved in that game, and, you know, he probably didn't have to prove it up to his coaches or to players, but he's proved to everybody in the media and the fans and the outside world that he belongs at the SEC level. Yes. I'm sure – not even I'm sure – yeah, not even I'm sure I know because when I tweeted out Tennessee's projected starting lineup for the game from their game notes on Saturday night, like the first – which included Ganey, the first person who responded was calling him a walk-on and talking about he was only on this team because his you know, dad's one the associate head coach, and, and he's proved that's not the case. He's proved yeah. that he can play at this level uh, and help Tennessee. We'll see how much. We'll see how big that role is. We'll see how consistently effective he is on the offensive end, but he's going to be in a rotation, and uh, I think you do talk about having this many guards, and it, you know, it certainly is going to be a challenge in some way bouncing the rotation, but at the same time, you just got to look at the personnel as a whole. They're thin down low. Yes. It's going to be a lot, lot more four-guard lineups. I mean, that's why I said Jemai Meshack's going to play to one, and he's going to play to four for this team this year, and he's going to play to two and three. Uh, they're going to need to play a lot of lineups with guards because of their personnel. They have a lot of guards. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that, all that meshes, how, that, how all that glues together, what lineups work, uh, but I don't think it's going to be – a situation where they don't, you know, they have a lot of mouths to feed, but I think they're they're going to be able, be able to have the food to feed all of them. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And you know, it's you said something a second ago that that made me remember. I, I guess maybe it was just a couple of weeks ago, or, or at the beginning of this off season portion, or whenever it was. But Rick Barnes kind of made a good joke, and he, he said he turned to Justin Ganey, the associate head coach, and he said, "Look, it's Jordan or you. You know, if you don't want, <laughs> yeah. both, and we're picking Jordan. You know, so that was obviously a joke, but it, it, it I think it kind of showed you from early on that Tennessee believed that this is kind of who Jordan Ganey could be, and that he did have a stroke from the outside. But yeah, I, I just keep going back to the, that rotation too. I don't know what it's going to look like. Uh, but it's going to be really interesting to see how they go about it uh, with the different kind of pieces they have. And, and one of the other, I guess one of the other benefits to having all that depth is that for the most part, it is experienced depth, right? So it is kind of just not guys who are, who are coming fresh to the scene. Maybe Freddie DeLeon, he, he's not in that category. But for the most part, it's experienced depth that you can be able to move around. Yeah, and Ganey, obviously, it'll be, like, like we said earlier, an adjustment playing at this level. Um, but has played a lot of college basketball, has been the target of a scouting report every single game last season. I think he'll probably benefit from not being uh, game-planned as hard this season. And then, obviously, Zakai Ziegler and Santiago Vescovi, we know, have played a ton uh, of basketball. And obviously, Jemai Meshack had stepped into a huge role last year, first because of, you know, he was kind of a fringe rotational player, was playing some, but didn't, wasn't playing a ton of minutes. And then, uh, to Julian Phillips and Josiah Jordan-James injuries in the middle of the season really thrust him in uh, as the starting uh, kind of wing on the team. And then when Zakai Ziegler got injured, he had to play a lot of guard in, in the backcourt too. So he's played a ton of big minutes for Tennessee last year. Um, and, and again, I think all these guys have in some ways benefited from Zakai Ziegler's injury because they've been forced to handle the ball and work at, at point guard both the last month of last season uh, and then really all offseason long too. Yeah, forcing out uncomfortable positions, got to maybe pick up a new skill or trait here along the way. And I, I think you're right. I think that was certainly beneficial. And hey, Tennessee still made it to the Sweet 16 last year. So you not only get kind of, you know, new guys stepping up in different spots, but you get the experience of going far in the postseason as well. We talked about the guards a good bit, and of course, we're not done there. We'll go back to it, but you also brought up some of the interior scoring, right? And one of the things I was thinking about coming in here was 
you talk about Dalton Connect. He he might have been the most talked about player from the Tennessee fan base coming up from the exhibition games, and, and for all, good all, reason. All, all of college basketball, yeah. I, I might say, of a weekend that included a handful of big exhibition games. For good reason. He he, he proved that, hey, he's a three-point shooter. I believe uh, you wrote the other day that talking about that he, he knocked down 335 three-pointers at, at Northern Colorado over the last two years, shooting above, I believe, 35% or so from those two years yeah, as well. Yeah, 37, 38, I want to say. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right there. And then he had that dunk in transition, right? He, yeah. he showed that he's got the outside stroke, he, he can play the half-court offense, but he can also play in transition, which I think is key for this Tennessee team. Certainly, and the shooting – look, this is a, a maybe a – a racially insensitive comment here. You see Tennessee get a kid from Northern Colorado, 6'6", and scored at a really high level in a bad conference, and you think, all right, the shooting was going to translate. I think we all knew that. He's made too many threes at too high of a percentage, but is this guy athletic enough yeah. and a complete enough of an ba- offensive basketball player to score at the basket and be able to score in the half court? And uh, Obviously, the Michigan State game was the best example of that. Uh, but we've seen it all preseason and going back into the summer when we got to watch Tennessee practice a few times before they went to Italy. This is a guy that is a very, very complete offensive player. Still got a lot of work to do on the defensive end of the court, but a complete offensive player. You saw that. I think he's going to be really good in transition. I mean, even outside, obviously, the behind-the-back yamming on the lead call. <laughs> it's going to take all the cake in that game. But he had yeah. a, a couple other nice finishes in transition. I think he's a better transition scorer than anybody Tennessee's had in a long time. Maybe anybody Tennessee's had in the Rick Barnes era, frankly. Um, and, and But you saw it in the half court, too. And Rick Barnes said it last night after the Lenore Ryan game. He says, you know, he misses his first three. He wants to he wants to get another one and get one down. And get, he said, we think he's the best when he gets downhill and attacks the basket. And, you know, Rick Barnes is obviously extremely smart. He's probably right. You know, if, if Rick Barnes hadn't said that, I'm, I probably wouldn't have been willing to say that already. Time will tell on that. Uh, but obviously this is a guy that can do a lot more than just shoot the ball. And, and his ability to score at the basket is, you know, something that could be huge for this Tennessee team because they've really lacked anyone that can do that consistently. Uh, Kennedy Chandler did it for probably a month yeah. to end his freshman season. But besides that, uh, anybody since Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield, there hasn't been anybody that's done it game in, game out consistency. Yeah, and Rick, if Rick Barnes' postgame comments are any kind of indication of, of just sort of the pressure that they're putting on him, or, or maybe not pressure, that's that's not the right word, but uh, maybe just the, the emphasis that they're putting on him, right? Wanting to continue to build him as a complete player. It sounds to me like they obviously know what sort of impact he can have for this team, and they want to really kind of get him there. I, I believe Rick Barnes said after one of those games, I think it was Michigan State, where he said, like, hey, we knew that he was a good offensive player, but you know, we were especially impressed by his defensive ability in that game as well. So you can tell to me that, yeah, Tennessee looks at, at Dalton Connect as a, as a big piece of this puzzle, and they're going to do whatever they can to, to really kind of get him up to speed and, and ready to be a productive player for this team offensively and defensively. No doubt. Uh, Rick Barnes said something like that postgame, I think even during the game when he did the, the interview with, I think it was Connor Onion and Bill Raftery on the call, uh, he said something to the extent of, we've never seen him play this hard on defense. And he was like, yeah, we got it on tape now. He was like, we got him. We, we've caught him. We've caught him playing hard on defense. We can show it to him on tape. Uh, so that was a really, a really funny line. And, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's the big thing with Dalton Connect is can he play defense well enough? And I think it almost translates into a little bit of a macro question for this team of how much will Rick Barnes let Dalton Connect play through defensive mistakes because he improves the offense. And, and Connect is the most uh, – the greatest example of that, but there are a number of guys on this team who Tennessee brought – 
onto the roster this offseason includes DeLeon, Ganey probably to a lesser degree, who are offense-first players who aren't as good on defense. Um, will he trust those guys and give those guys leeway uh, to get their offense and maybe grow through some defensive mistakes and allow Tennessee to take a, a step back? I mean, I think I wrote this in the preseason and maybe said it at one point. Talking about it, first first thing is realizing you got to get better on offense. They did sure. that. Then there's talking about it. Then there's going out and having the roster personnel, adding the roster to be better on offense. And then there's everything you do in the preseason to try to be better on offense and play those players' strengths. But the last hardest question is when the shots aren't going in and the offense doesn't look great in January in an SEC game and it's anyone's game to win, not just every single time. Now, some games you might call for it, but not every single time saying we're going to win this game with defense, we're going to fall back on that. Being able to stay balanced Maybe you lose a game in January that helps you grow as a team um, because you, you find more offense and you let those offensive-minded players get better and grow yeah. on the defensive end as the season goes on. Yeah, I think that's also one of the biggest questions, just kind of how much leeway is there going to be? What's the uh, Where is the kind of cutoff point going to be, if you will? I think those are all questions that are going to be interesting to see how they're answered, but I like your thought on that. You mentioned Bill Rafferty a second ago, and I almost fell over in my chair laughing I don't know if you heard it because you were at the game. Did you hear how he started the game on the broadcast? No. I have the – Tennessee – I wonder if they did it because it, it was so funny, but Tennessee put it in the in the first few seconds of their uh, highlights that they put out on Twitter. I'm going to play it. We'll see how it happens. If you don't hear this, it's because I cut it out and it sounded bad. Uh, but, for Ryan, for your immediate reaction, uh, here we go. Bill Rafferty on the call. And off we go in the exhibition number four and number nine. Cutter, I did not love to hear that. That's Tennessee great. Tennessee goes to the house a little minute man. <laughs> he's, the be, he's the best. He's the national oh, treasure. He's the national treasure. I mean, go back and watch the end of the 2016 national championship game. I think that's 2016 when Chris Jenkins for Villanova yeah. hits the shot to beat North Carolina at the buzzer. I don't know. I don't know what the noises <laughs> that came out of Bill Raftery's mouth were, but it was awesome. I mean, he's he's a, he's a treasure. It was. He's obviously a Fox and CBS employee, so we don't get to hear him uh, do a whole lot of SEC basketball games. So uh, it was cool to get. Even though I didn't get to, I was at the game. I didn't get to listen to it to get a little Bill Raftery uh, on the call, uh, a treat for the fans. Well, as somebody who was watching from the TV after getting home from that Kentucky football game, it was a pleasure to listen to. I mean, it was it was a great way to kind of just into a fun Sunday afternoon right there. Uh, getting back to getting back to business though, right? We've been talking about Don Connect a little bit. One of the other players that I know that you've really been thinking about this year and you've gotten to talk to him a few times is Tobey Awaka. My question to you and, and shout out to, to our other great listeners and, and friends of the program who, who have kind of also hit this topic, interior scoring, right? It's not something that has been maybe the most consistent part of Tennessee's offensive game in recent history. But now they have a little bit more pieces to work with. You talked about the way that Dalton is able to attack the basket. We know that Tobey Awaka had a massive offseason, in my opinion, kind of improving that offensive game. You saw it in some of the international play that he had with Team USA overseas this year. Do you think that this, this team's iteration of interior scoring has the ability to be more consistent, has the ability to be more effective? And if so, how and why? It, well, it does have the ability to be more consistent. The question, you know, is how much more consistent will it be? How much better will it be? And connects a big part of that. And but, you know, I think a walk is probably the next guy you turn to because he does have uh, a little bit of a back to the basket game, has good touch around the rim. I think he's probably still a year away from being a guy you say, all right, 
we want to turn the ball down to Iwaka just about every possession he's in there and, and get him in touch with his back to the basket. I'm not sure he's quite there yet, um, but I think he's an option to do that with, and have some success more than they maybe had anybody that could throw it down into the post and have any consistency to game the game the past few years. Uh, and then the other part of it is that he's just so good on the offensive glass, I think he's going to get a lot of easy ones to clean up too. And the free throw shooting will be a big part of it for him because he plays so physical and gets fouled. He didn't shoot free throws particularly well last season. Uh, he has been pretty good in the preseason. He had three or four last night against Lenore Ryan. And do, 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 against Michigan State, he went four for four. So uh, he's shown some growth there. Um, I don't see this being a guy that's going to go out there and score 20 points much for Tennessee this year. But I do think he is a guy that can give Tennessee – 10 points on a more consistent basis. I mean, Olivier Kamwa uh, was obviously transferred out to Michigan uh, for his final year. Did a lot of good things for Tennessee. Could go out there and score 25, 26, 28. Could win him, could win him games. And, I mean, he won him the biggest game of their season last year in Sweet 16. But he could also more often than not or just as likely go from that game to the next game like he did against FAU where he scores four points or I don't know what he scored against FAU. But he wasn't very yeah, good in that yeah, game. Yeah. And, and you couldn't count on him to get 10 points. So I guess the the whole thing, I'm not trying to lament on Olivier Kamwa's career at Tennessee or anything, but whereas Kamwa had a higher ceiling, lower floor game to game than what Iwaka had, uh, I think Iwaka's going to be a little more steady in the middle. Uh, but some of that stuff's going to be interesting to follow for sure. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I, I am high on Tobey Iwaka going into this year just based on what we saw from the offseason, what we've heard throughout the offseason from Rick Barnes, and keeping those expectations somewhat tempered. But I, I do think that what you're saying, right, the ability could be could be greater. I, I think that's certainly true. Yeah, 100%. And one thing to me that's going to be huge with Iwaka to follow, and <clears throat> this kind of brings me into a, I guess we'll, we'll pivot here to the front court as a whole. Please. Awaka was a little bit of a walking foul machine when he was on the court last year. He liked to foul. Uh, he <laughs> played physical. He played physical. He <laughs> Let's see how many fouls he had in the exhibition game. He had four. Now, they were playing where he can't foul out. Jemiah Mishai got seven. So, you know, four <laughs> overall might not be all that crazy. But when you're talking about a, a front court that doesn't have a ton of depth, which is what we are talking about earlier, why Tennessee's going to play smaller, it's really Awaka and Jonas Adu returning. Then you have the two freshmen down there. Uh, you need a walk to be able to stay out of foul trouble. And I think that also goes into what I was just talking about, of being such a good offensive rebound. I mean, a rebounder, that's what stands out number one, is the way he rebounds the basketball on both ends of the court, but particularly the way he did it on the offensive end. You can, get, you can pick up some cheap fouls that way. You can pick up some fouls that aren't fouls that way, did sure. it, or touch you. I, mean, well, I remember one of them in the Michigan State game was not a foul that he got called on when he got a rebound. So I think that will be – something really important for Iwaka this year to be able to balance that thing, that part of being really aggressive on the offensive glass and being able to steal extra possessions and get some freebies to get to that more consistent eight, ten points a game scorer um, while also not picking up fouls and trying to stay out of foul trouble. So uh, it's not that I know the answer there. It's not even that I yeah. know the key there. Uh, but I think that will be something that's going to be really important to watch for Awaka and just kind of this team as a whole when you talk about their thin front court. Well, and to me that kind of symbolizes, you know, a, a freshman's path through college, right? You start out as a, as a freshman last year, and this is a guy from New York, right? He's used to playing physical ball. He's used to playing outside maybe on the streets or, or wherever it might be. You, you you see where those uh, you see where the, that skill set is. You see where some of the uh, lesser tendencies are. I 
think that's where you get back to the what kind of jump can he make from a freshman year to a sophomore. We know he's probably got a couple more offensive traits and weapons to his repertoire, but also can he plan or control a little bit more, which is what you're talking about. Again, that to me is one of those things where how big of a leap from freshman year to sophomore year can he have and can some of those things sort of encapsulate within that leap? Certainly. I think it's a big thing to look at. Last season, he played 10 minutes a game. Yeah. So it's going to be a huge, huge change in role, and I think there's going to become an adjustment with that. And I don't think Owaka is going to be a finished product by game one. I mean, not going to be a finished product by the end of the year. This is a kid with a ton of talent. He's going to keep getting better in his college career. But I think when you look at the guys that you know for a fact are going to play big roles on this team, I think I almost look at it as Owaka more than anyone as, all right, I think he's going to get substantially better from November 6th to whenever the regular season ends, March 7th, yeah. or whenever they play Kentucky uh, in the regular season finale. I think he's the guy that's going to get a lot better. He's a super, super smart guy. Uh, I think he, he plays smart. I think he's going to learn. Uh, and it's going to be his first go-around being a, a main guy and being a guy on a scouting report. But uh, I think he's going to be able to adjust and, and continue to improve and, and be a really consistent, you know, stable player for Tennessee by the end of the season. Unless you've got anybody else in the front court to talk about, I, I have a player – one that everybody knows that, that I have a, a, a couple thoughts on or a couple questions on. What, what do you think there? You got it. Josiah Jordan James. Yeah. Maybe one of the most talked about players over the offseason from the Tennessee fan base. This is the guy who tested the NBA waters, came back to Tennessee. He was kind of on, on the, the big depth chart when Chris Ledlam was, was still on the Tennessee roster. But he starts these two exhibition games out, eight points against Michigan State, nine points against Lenore Ryan. I, I, I don't want to make this question too simple. And I don't want to – obviously, it's so early and there's not even been a game yet from the regular season. Do you think that's kind of what his, where his role is going to be, kind of that eight to nine points? We know last year the statistic when he scored more than ten points, it was really beneficial for Tennessee's winning chances. But just what kind of maybe role do you see for Josiah Jordan-James this year with a lot of the offensive firepower that they brought in, some of the returning veterans that are expected to be good to me, I, I do wonder about this. What, what is Triple J's role going to look like maybe this year? Well, offensively, uh, I'll start there because that's kind of where you, you phrased it. I don't think it's going to be as big. I mean, I don't think – to me it feels like Tennessee needed Josiah Jordan James to be good for him offensively the last two years. Right. This year it almost feels like it's kind of icing on the cake a little bit. And we'll okay. see. Maybe that, that's a good thought. Same, maybe some of that other stuff is – you know, that I, I'm, I think the other guys that are going to be able to score more consistently and, and at a higher rate, maybe they won't be able to. And Josiah is thrust back into that role. But I think we've kind of seen what Josiah Jordan James is as an offensive player. And he struggles to score at the basket, which anytime you struggle to score at the basket, it's going to be hard to be very consistent scoring. So he's certainly a player that's capable of shooting the ball really well and having big nights. And I think on those nights, you, you know, you could see him score a handful of 15-plus point games again when his hands, hand is hot. But in the games where it's not going in for him, I don't think you're going to have to see Tennessee rely on him to shoot the ball seven or eight times a game, nine times a game like they have in the past. So that's kind of my thought on the offensive end. But as a, as a whole, as a macro level, I, again, I continue to think Josiah Jordan-James is an extremely, extremely important player for this team. His ability to yeah. play the four and, and tie things together uh, – from the front court to the back court is going to be extremely, extremely important. He's going to be – he's the most natural fit as a small ball forward that Tennessee has on this roster. Uh, he is so good defensively, and his versatility has been so important for them. All that's going to continue. And then I'll go back to kind of what I was talking about with Iwaka. 
through two games, two exhibitions, the one thing I've said that this is a that's a problem for Tennessee is the rebounding. They have not rebounded the ball well yes, on either I, game. Yeah, they've agreed. given up a bunch of offensive rebounds, yep. and some of that's to be expected. They're playing a lot more small ball. Uh, they only have two proven guys back, uh, big men. And Rick Barnes talked about it last night. He said the the small guys got to come get the ball more. Uh, you know, they were doing a good job of boxing out, but we got to come get the ball more. And that'll be part of it, too. But Josiah Jordan-James is a really good rebounder, uh, and it's going to be, I think, important for him to go out and be aggressive and be able to make a big impact on the boards because outside of a Waka uh, and a do, he's definitely you know the next best rebounder on this team. Yeah, to follow you up, uh, here's kind of what Rick Barnes said about that exactly. Quote, uh, excuse me, on how he'd assess the rebounding through the two exhibition games. Quote, not where we want it to be. We talked about it, and we got to go get it. We're going to block out, but we've got to go get it, and we have to. We're ba- uh, when we're playing with basically four guards in Josiah, he does so many little things out there, and again, our guards have, have got to come down and help us defensively more because we want whoever goes to gets it with it, uh, and they got to get involved in that. And that's something that, honestly, we harp on big through the Michigan State game and here uh, because that's where the game's really won. And that's obviously a mindset that Rick Barnes has had for a long time. He, he's harped on uh, rebounding <laughs> pretty much every year he's been here, and certainly every year that I've covered it. That's a big thing for him, and, and certainly an area that Tennessee wants to improve on as quickly as possible. Certainly, and I think some of it's just going to be they're capped a little bit and how good they can be rebounding. This isn't going to be a team that had, you know, a lot of times either one of Euros Plosic and Tobey Iwaka and then one of Jonas Adu and Olivier Kamwa on, on the glass. Uh, so it's going to be a, a learning curve, and I don't think they're going to be perfect at it, but if they can kind of hold their weight – uh, enough. I think it's going to be really important. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, moving uh, to a different uh, spot a little bit. You sent me this question. Can I can I just go ahead and read it read, because read it's real good? Here's the question. A lot of emphasis and eyeballs are on whether Rick Barnes will stay committed to playing a faster-paced brand of basketball. What type of effect does pace of play have on the ceiling of this team? Can this team reach beyond the Sweet 16, resorting uh, back to some of their old habits, sort of slower, grinded-out basketball with more scoring droughts but tougher defense, while counting on increased production in the half court from guys like Dalton Connect or Jordan Ganey, or is the higher tempo the only way they reach beyond what their ceiling has been under Barnes in the past? First off, really greatly worded question from uh, from our wonderful audience out there, but it, he brings up a great point, right? How is this tempo going to play now that Tennessee does have a little bit more offensive firepower, maybe that they're not defensively where they want to be or where they have been in other years? From what you've been able to see, from what you've been able to talk to people, just kind of where are your thoughts on that question regarding pace of play, tempo, that sort of nature? Yeah, on the tempo side of it, you know, I just remain in wait-and-see mode. Sure. That's been uh, every year. <laughs> and that's fair. Just about every year, at least the last two or three years. Probably not every year because I've been covering the team since that first year after Grant and Admiral left. It's been something Tennessee's talked about and Barnes talked about in preseason. We want to play faster. We want to play faster. And they really haven't played faster. Now, it's been a point of conversation again this preseason. And this time I think there has been – I've seen more signs to make me think they want to play faster than I've seen in the past. So much of what they do uh, work-wise during practice is with a super short shot clock, um, forcing them to get off, get shots up quickly. They played faster, really, in both exhibition games. But when you play defense the way Tennessee's played defense the last few years, where they just they grind you down and nothing, they give you nothing easy, 
it's hard to play fast because you're on the possessions are so long when you're on the defense end of the court. Now, I think again with the way this roster is built and some of the seeming priority shifts, the defense isn't going to be as good. And I think that's going to be a good thing, honestly, for Tennessee. And that might sound crazy, but Tennessee's been the last number of years. The last year they were number one in defense, Ken Palm. 22, they were number three. 2021, they were number five. So that's three straight seasons of top five. They're number two preseason Ken Palm defense this year. I think it would be better for Tennessee to be five five to ten Ken, Ken Palm. And, okay. And, you know, obviously you take it. You're trying to be as good defensively as you can. Sure. But I think the the exchange that could give Tennessee on the offensive end would be more important. So uh, I guess long-winded, I'm rambling a little bit. I think there are reasons to think they're going to play faster, um, and that could that could benefit them certainly on the offensive end. But I myself am still kind of in wait and see mode. Got to see it to to fully believe that this is going to be a team that, that plays fast. I mean, I won't go through the tempo or the uh, adjusted tempo from Ken Palm every every year, but they consistently rank in the two hundreds. Never never in you know zero to ninety nine. Yeah, you know I, I think that. Over this, the course of the next month or so, however it goes, however it goes, I know there's no SEC competition or anything like that. But this is a, a revamped team, right? This is a revamped roster. I, I think you make a great point. Something I'm thinking about right now, just kind of as we continue to go through this conversation, whether it be talking about the tempo, whether it be talking about the scoring, whether it be talking about the rotations, there are a lot of wait and see things, right? We can kind of project one way or another. We can talk about something that we'd like to see or, or maybe something that we'd like to see fixed, whatever the conversation is. But with so many new pieces being added, with maybe a little bit of fundamental change, there are a lot of wait and see pieces to this team. Yeah, and that's just the nature college basketball I probably tell you that every year you know it's and it's not like it's always in every sport just as easy as talent but you you talk about the transfer portal in baseball baseball is an individual game it's an individual game that creates a team game basketball is so 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 much about how you play together and statistics that someone puts up one year can be extremely skewed by their usage rate Um, so it's hard to project how things are gonna mesh for teams and especially teams that have a bunch of new faces, which is, again, like I said earlier, just about every team <laughs> yeah. in college basketball these days. So it's yeah, hard to project. Kentucky. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to project. And, you know, I'll, I'll point you to last season when North Carolina was the preseason number one team. And every single poll, every single outlet, every single power ranking, and they missed the NCAA tournament. So uh, it's a sport that's hard to project. Um, but certainly Tennessee has a lot of new faces and – I think you got to give Rick Barnes and his staff, too, a lot of credit. I mean, people criticize Rick Barnes a lot for being inflexible about stuff. Well, they just made it to Sweet 16, and they have seemingly, again, we got to see them do it on the court to fully crown them and give them this honor or whatever, but they have seemingly adjusted the way they want to play and have made clear, decisive points and decisive roster movement and personnel decisions and how they want to play decisions to try to change, which... And they did that after, obviously not a perfect season, but a season they made it to Sweet 16. Yeah. You talked about some of the newcomers right there. I want to kind of start to go there as we, as we man, we're already 38 minutes into this preview. We, we've been able to hit a lot of different directions. But I want to talk about some of those newcomers real quick. Freddie DeLeon, J.P. Estrella, uh, Cade Phillips, Cameron Carr, some of the new freshmen that are, that are coming in. Not, not Ganey and Connect, right? Not from the transfer portal. We've talked about them already. But some of the freshmen, do you think any of them are, are going to be able to step up and have a role? Now, I say that, maybe not right away, right? Maybe it takes something. Something's got to happen. I look at Tobey Waka last year, and right, that was a freshman who, who kind of continued to gradually yeah. find minutes as the season went on. 
do any of the freshmen right now on the roster sort of project that way to you? Are there anybody that excites you more than others? We talked about Freddie DeLeon a second ago. Uh, anybody from that group? Yeah, I, I'll leave out Freddie DeLeon because I think we kind of already talked right. about his role. He's definitely the most exciting when you talk about the talent and what he can do on the offensive end. Cam Carr, uh, the three others, and really all four, is the one that I just don't see a path to him playing a lot this year. And that's nothing against Cam Carr. I mean, if anything, I think I'm maybe the most excited about his long-term potential of any of those guys because where DeLeon's not Oof. a four-year player, I think Cameron Carr is probably a yeah. three- or four-year player, and he is talented with the way he's he can score. He's got ridiculous athleticism. Yeah, athletic, can shoot the ball, super long arms. I mean, that's probably the thing what – Stood out to me the most uh, from Carr in the exhibition against Lenore Ryan. He grabbed seven rebounds. He was he, very effective there. But just when you talk about the backcourt depth, it's hard for me to see him having a huge role. Obviously, an injury uh, at the wing to maybe someone like Josiah or Jemai or Dalton Connect could give him some opportunities. But again, I look at him more as a long term, really exciting piece and a guy that's going to help this team a ton this season. And then Estrella and Phillips are going to be an interesting case. I mean, yeah. I feel like they're. They're not the same player, but I think they're in the exact same boat in that they are freshman underclassmen who aren't super refined. I mean, it, I talked to both, I think it was Rod Clark, who was especially harping on this during media days in my conversation with him. You know, freshman big men, they need reps and reps and reps. It's a, an adjustment for them playing at this level. So neither of them are complete prospects. Neither of them are going to be great offensive players for Tennessee, but it's exactly what we've talked about. There's not a ton of depth. It's two guys that you have proven big guys. So there's going to be – Tennessee would love to, love to have a third one they can count on to play 15 minutes a night. Do they have that and who it would be between those two? I'm not really sure. Both of them have showed some good things. It seems like as far as a, or as far as a trust factor from what the coaches have in them, it, it's kind of even right now. It seems like they're getting similar opportunities. Um, Estrell's a little bit bigger, more of a five. Phillips is more of a four. And so that could obviously play an impact there. But uh, to me, that's going to be really something interesting to watch. I'd probably bet on one of those guys having a, a fringe rotation role, kind of like Tobey Walker did last year. Sure. Ten, ten minutes. I mean, you made that comparison, a, a ten minutes per game type of guy. Um, but it's hard for me to think, unless injuries come in again, uh, that both of those guys are going to have you know major roles on this team. Guessing game, who leads Tennessee in points, average points per game this year? I guess I'll Whoa. we'll ride what we've been saying. I'll say Dalton Connect. Okay. I mean, that's, I think that's the most likely bet, and if you're a Tennessee fan or you're Tennessee's coaches, that's what you want to see, I think, yeah. at the end of the year. That's the best sign for Tennessee. Who's Tennessee's X factor of the year? Mm, that's a good one. You know, I, I'll go to... I think a walk just because what we said, if we, you can really put it together and be a consistent interior scoring, that would be an X factor. Um, but again, like I think, like I said earlier, I think his ceiling floor is not a massive gap in it. Maybe he surprises me in that ceiling this season will be a lot higher than I expect. Uh, but I, I'll go truly to me X factor Dillion. I just think he has another gear of talent and another gear to his game uh, that you know, even some of those really good Tennessee players in the backcourt don't have with the way he can score at all three phases. So he's a long way to get there. Again, he's probably on this team the biggest variance of how where low his floor is from what his role would be, which a lot of that has to do with the depth Tennessee has back in the backcourt, uh, but also the ceiling that's super high because yeah. of his talent. Um, 
And again, talk about a team trying to find more consistent scoring, a team that's trying to find more scoring at the basket. Those are two guys that can score at the basket. Uh, and DeLeon, obviously, just a whole really talented scorer. And I'll add Jemai Meshek into that. I still just think that, hey, he, he might <laughs> – you know, he's a known player at this point. Tennessee fans know what they're getting with him, but what you're getting with him is a, a player who's going to be very balanced, who's going to be extremely solid defensively, who, who started to find that offensive rhythm at the end of last year. I think he had 11 – uh, 11 points in the uh, uh, exhibition against Michigan State, even despite oh, what you seven referred fouls. to, the seven fouls, which is which is just hilarious to see here on the box score. Uh, but that's certainly one guy that I have my eye on as well. Uh, Tobe Awaka, like you said, in the Dalton Connect. I, I totally agree there that if you're looking at a guy who's going to lead Tennessee in points, you go with the guy who, who's, what, six foot nine or, or something like that. He can shoot it from outside. He can play in transition. He can get to the hoop in the half court. Uh, I, I think he brings a lot to the table. He's only listed at 6'6", six, six for what it's Oh, 6'6"? Six, six? But it does feel, okay. it does feel right. like he's like 6'7". Thank you. He, I think it's the long arms. He, he feels like he's yeah, taller he, than he, he is. He, he does. Um, really one of my last questions for you, and then I'll let you get anything else that you'd like to. I'm, it's kind of going to be tongue-in-cheek t- question. Okay. My cousin, okay? His name is also Rick. He okay. spells it R-I-C. His real name is Frederick, like myself. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's a long story. It's a big family. thing. He, he's a Missouri graduate, but he's a Tennessee fan. Okay. I just got to save the date in the mail today. Oh, wow. Saturday, April 6th. <laughs> For anybody who's not looked at the calendar yet, that is the day of the Final Four semifinals, which will be, I think, in Glendale, Arizona. Yeah, Phoenix Ari- area. Phoenix area, something like that. What do you think is going to be my availability? Do you think I can go? Do you think it might be a little bit of a wait and see? See, I'm not asking you if they're going to make the Final Four. I'm asking you if you think I can go to this wedding that's on the day of the Final Four, just for kicks and grins. You're sl- you think you're slick, don't you? <laughs> yes, don't you, Fred? I absolutely do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just use the cop out. I mean, it's possible. And Tom Izzo said it. <laughs> Ever- I think it's Everick. Winston, maybe I, I'm blanking Lenore Ryan's coach's name, so apologies to him. He he said it. We were the media was joking last night after uh, the press conferences that we gotta we gotta see who's the first opponent coach of the season that doesn't say Tennessee's a final four team. Sullivan, uh, but no, I mean this is a team that has a lot of potential, a lot of talent. But you know when you talk about a program that's never made the final four, it's only made one elite eight, and certainly Rick Barnes has had uh, you know he's made a final four. I'm not to say he's incapable of it, but he's had some. Certainly had some uh, NCAA tournament flaws or, or issues in his career, too. It's hard for me to sit here and pick it. But this is a team that I think has the possibility. And they've – they I think, again, well, it's hard to say all this for sure. But uh, I think they've addressed a lot of the issues that have probably – which going back to the question you read, we didn't get to the end of that. I think they've addressed a lot of the issues that have capped their ability to make it to a Final Four sure. uh, these past couple of years. Um, I think they've addressed that. So, you know, we'll see. Roll there's, the balls out. Yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. And, um, hey, maybe if you've got a wedding on April 6th, maybe see if you can get it moved just in advance. We'll see. But, again, that's not towards anybody in specific. Ryan, we've hit it so many different directions with this Tennessee basketball preview. Is there anything we didn't hit so far? Oh, man, I don't, I don't I, hardly think I, so. I think that's pretty much it. Besides just going through a player-by-player player recap or anything, I, I – well, we've, we've talked about kind of what's the rotation of this team going to look like. Jordan Ganey had a, had a great two exhibition games. Dalton Connect is the talk of the basketball world and certainly here in Knoxville. Talked about some of the offensive versus defense. Will there be a little bit more leeway in it for that? Uh, we've talked about a lot of different things, and, uh, man, now it's just time to see what they can do on the court. Yeah, I would say one thing just kind of 
echoing your sentiments a minute ago on Meshack. Uh, I think he's going to be an important player again, especially if he can hit uh, a couple, you know, some threes occasionally. And then uh, also just going back to the rebounding, he's a good rebounder. Uh, his ability to kind of be versatile and play to four and play a bunch of different spots for his team, I think is going to be important. He's, I think, going to be in a lot of ways a Swiss Army knife to way Josiah Jordan James is with also just being a game changer by what he does on the defensive end. And then the last thing, I guess we touched on it briefly, uh, but Zakai Ziegler, um, he obviously hasn't played the last two exhibition games, um, but when we watched him practice last Wednesday, uh, he was going up and down the court and some full yeah. court stuff, and we'll watch practice again Thursday. So I don't know if he'll play in the season opener against Tennessee Tech, but I don't think it's going to be a long time before we see him. Yeah, it seems like we're on the uh, uh, – it seems like Tennessee's on the fast track maybe to getting him back on the court, but – like we've said a lot in this podcast, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see to when that happens. Here's what's coming up for your Tennessee uh, athletics calendar coming up this Saturday at noon. That's going to be Tennessee football's homecoming game against UConn. Uh, of course, we will be there, Rocky Top Insider, inside the press box covering that game. And then two days later, Tennessee basketball has their season opener at home. It's going to be against Tennessee Tech uh, Monday, November uh, 6th, I believe that is. That's correct. Uh, and then you'll have two sports rolling at the same time. There's a lot going on right now. Yeah, go to Wisconsin that Friday, uh, second game of the season. And then, yeah, we didn't touch on the schedule a ton, but challenging schedule as usual. They go to Maui where they'll play Syracuse, one at Gonzaga and Purdue, another game. That other side of the field's loaded. I think it's UCLA, Marquette, Kansas, Chaminade. Um, and then they play at North Carolina in the ACC-SEC Challenge, a home game against Illinois, who's a top 25 preseason team. They go to North Carolina State. Uh, so a lot of good non-conference challenges, and then SEC, you know, yeah, continues to get better. Yeah, and then you're right better. there. Yep. Yeah, no doubt about it. There's a lot of fun things to look forward to. Uh, if you are a Tennessee fan, and certainly we will have it all covered for you. We will, uh, we will be covering every bit of this Tennessee basketball program as it moves forward through the 2023-2024 regular season and beyond. But Ryan, I think that's going to wrap it up for us today here previewing this Tennessee basketball team and the Tennessee basketball season coming up. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. That's all I got. Well, as always, make sure you go over to RockyTopInsider.com. That's where you can find the latest Tennessee news notes and coverage for both Tennessee football and basketball. We even got baseball stuff going on right now as the baseball team goes through fall exhibitions. Uh, excuse not exhibitions, but just kind of fall scrimmages. camp, fall, fall scrimmages, practices. That's what I meant to say. Uh, and then, of course, if you want to follow Ryan on Twitter, you can do that at rshump00. That's S-C-H-U-M-P. If you want to follow myself, you can do that at Rick underscore Butler. But, of course, just make sure you are checking out at Rocky Top Insider on all different social media platforms each and every day. We will have you covered there. Otherwise, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. See you back for the next one. We will be back after the Tennessee uh, football game coming up this Saturday. No, we'll be back tomorrow. Oh, you're preview. right. We haven't even done yeah. our preview yet. All right, look alive, people. There's still another podcast coming out before the weekend. Jack Foster will be back with us. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get ready for that. We will see you back on the other side. Thank you so much for listening to the RTI Press Pass Podcast.